Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Dave Burles Berlin. Welcome to the year 2020. That's right. The first Doc G Show of the new decade. Woo! Gosh, so excited. I'm so excited, Crazy. You don't even know. Dave, as you said, it's 2020. So true. I remember in elementary school somebody saying something about 2020, and I was like, man, I'm going to be so old. That's a fact. And you know what? I was right. And you are. <laughs> I was. I was. I called that correctly, Dave. Yes! Call me Nostradamus. I called it correct. I am old. Dave, it's the new year, you and you know, you know what I think of in the new year? Hmm. New... Goals. Yes, along those lines. I think of working at the gym, Dave. As you're aware, uh, I used to work at the gym for eight years. Eight years mm-hmm. at the gym. I'm not sure if there's anywhere in the world that is better for people watching than the gym. Nope. Dude, it's, it's, it's up there at the top, man. Let me tell you, Dave. You get weird people in the gym and there's no better place and time to watch people weird people than new year yeah oh yeah because of the wave of the resolutioners oh yeah well it's not even just that like new year's day it's the whole month of january oh yeah yeah so let me start first dave and say i'm not heckling anybody for trying to get in shape you get out there you do you people you get in shape. We're all about it. Any about time that. is the right time for fitness. But I do like to evaluate your workouts. That's what mm-hmm. I do. On so You're a doctor. That's a fact. <laughs> so first, let me give you a little tip on how to pick out resolutioners at the gym. Mm. So first, a resolutioner is almost always going to show up in a matching outfit. So true. That somebody Brand either new. bought for them. Or they bought for themselves to motivate themselves to get into the fitness, you know? Yep. Second, a resolutioner is going to stick out from a normal gym goer because of their optimistic outward appearance. That's right. You will automatically be able to pick them out. excited to be there. Yes. Yes. Instead of looking like they hate their life, they come into the gym like, oh my God, this is going to be something positive in my day. That's the way. And you're like, yeah, it's automatically, you you don't fit. You were somebody that does not fit in here. Lastly, they will try and fail at at least one machine. So true. And once they do it wrong, once they've failed at the machine, they'll evaluate the area, walk away wait and watch until somebody else comes to use the machine Hmm, try to nonchalantly observe their movements and then walk back to the machine triumphantly like they solved the rubik's cube and Uh, they're like yep got it that's so true got it everybody don't worry i've solved this one it's a little think piece but don't worry i got it say why um what so what type of uh like water utensil are they they're not bringing a gallon jug in quite yet no 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 they'll they'll have they'll have a uh, a purchased bottle 
Sometimes it will be a refillable bottle, and that's usually what they'll have because they're optimistic. They're like, I'm going to be using this for years to come. So now, they got like the new Hydro Flask? Yeah, yeah, but some of them will just, they'll, they'll be the ones that are going to drop off even sooner that will come in with just the, the single-use water bottle. And they'll be like, I'll just pick one of these up okay. every day. And you're like, oof. You're not even going to last as long as that guy. Yikes. Yikes. Now, sadly, Dave, I can tell you, as as I've been uh, leaning towards, most of these people don't make it. Nope. They don't make mm-hmm. it. Let me tell you what happens. So on January 2nd, they show up to the gym. They got their outfit on. They've got their positive outlook. And for the rest of the week, they show up to the gym. That's right. They're positive. They're ready to go. They're They're making things happen. Then around mm-hmm. the third workout, something happens. They have to go back to either work or school. Girl, come on! And mm. then this is what really sets them off schedule. Because up until this point, the only thing they had going on in their day was working out. That's what they made their their life around. They woke up and right. they're like, I'm going to eat a healthy breakfast. I'm going to go to the gym. And then later, I'm going to sit around with my dog and tell my dog how good of a gym (laughs) workout I had. You know, that's pretty Mm -hmm. much it. Mm -hmm. Now they got to start coming in after work, you know. And the first thing that Mm -hmm. goes is the positive outlook. Instead of walking into the gym with a bright smile and a sunny disposition, they walk into the gym like they've got a colonoscopy scheduled with a softball bat. And they're like, oh, this is going to be horrible. And and splinter filled. Oh no! Next to go, the matching outfit. They start showing up in semi-matching stuff. Girl, come By on. the end of the week, they just show up in an undershirt and pajama pants. They're like whatever. Oh, uh, <laughs> Who cares? Doesn't matter. Once you get to that point, Dave, you know they've got about one or two more workout sessions left before they're they're giving up until next year's resolution. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can pretty much guarantee it. Now, Dave, I have a solution for these failing resolutioners. Wait, what? Let's hear it. Listen to the Doc G show. That's a fact. If, if all resolutioners out there promise to themselves that they will stay in the gym while listening to the Doc G show, I guarantee those people will spend at least 90 minutes in the gym per week. That's a fact. They might not do anything while they're there, but they will be physically in the gym for more than 90 minutes. So true. Yes. And then... That's what the doctor ordered. And think about this, listeners. You'll be making me happy because more people will be listening to the doc g show so not only are you spending more time in the gym you're doing community service by making me happy because i'm part of the community you're you're killing two birds with one stone there amen amen Amen, dave so really it's the best resolution you can make dave are you ready to fire up this resolution filled 2020 show let's fire it up all three engines up and burning Two, one, zero, and lift off. My goodness, Dave, we are starting off with a bang. 2020, we Banger. have fantastic southern rock band out of Natchez, Mississippi. Bishop, Gunn, Travis, Byrne, Ben, Drew, they're all stopping by the studio. We're going to talk about the current album. Yes. We're going to talk about the upcoming album. And Dave, get excited. 
get excited because excited. we're going to drop excited. some news. Exclusive news about the upcoming Ooh. album. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Doc G exclusive. Woo! Get excited. Yes. Word. Yes. Word. Baby. But first, we start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Dave, I'm going to I'm going to preemptively apologize for this one. You're not going to get uh, it. I'll just go ahead and say it. Nope. Nah, there but had to be some good January 1st birthdays. There were a couple, but th- and this one's a good one. You're just They're not going to get it. Head. You're just okay. not going to get it. Okay. Our birthday suit wearer was born on January 1st, 1919 in the in New York, New York. He's 100. <laughs> yes. Yes. Growing up, our birthday suit wearer had several in- uh, interests. He was on the fencing team. He wrote for the school newspaper and appeared in several plays. He was in the Glee Club, the Aviation Club, and the French Club. Jeez. I could definitely wow. I can definitely tell you, Dave, my school did not have a fencing team. We did not have an aviation club either. Nope. Neither of those Mine existed. didn't either. And this guy's in 1919, came 90 years after him, 85 years after him, and he still beat me in school activities. That's sad. Anyways, he ended up going to New York University in 1936, but dropped out the following spring. He went to Vienna to study the meat importing industry because of his dad's encouragement, but he was disgusted by slaughterhouses and decided to go down a different path. He went to the college... Uh, he went back to college at Columbia University and took a writing class under Whit Burnett, who became his writing mentor. Hmm. He was drafted into World War II, saw action on D-Day and the Battle of the Bulge. After the war, wow. he became a follower of Buddhism. Nice. In 1951, he released a book known as Catcher in the Rye. Hmm. It spent 30 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. It became the second most taught novel in public high schools behind Of Mice and Men. It has now sold over 10 million copies. Jeez. While his book was extremely successful, our birthday suit wearer was a recluse, hated having any public attention, and pretty much stayed out of public attention the rest of his entire life. He died in 2010 with his major book and major accomplishment being Catcher in the Rye. Name that birthday suit wearer. Well, you called it. I don't know this guy. But to be fair, I didn't have to read this book in high school. You didn't. So, no. Surprising. Surprising. Did you have to read uh, Catch-22? Hmm. Nope. Girl, come on. Wow, man. What is your English teacher doing? Come on. Jeez. Good question. J.D. Salinger. J.D. Salinger. Yes, indeed. Catcher in the Rye. A huge, huge American classic right there. We'll, we'll add it on the list of things to do based off of the Doc G Show. That's there you right. Go. There you go. Now, uh, it, it has been um, somewhat, uh, I don't know what you would call it, bad mouth. In in mm-hmm. society at times because because of mm-hmm. its harsh language. Wait, what? 
He uses the old GD phrase there a lot in the book. Oh, folks, JD folks, using GD. Exactly. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and they were not fans. They were not fans. But nonetheless, it is an extremely popular American classic. It is his birthday, and like you said, 100th, 100th birthday. It would have been the 100th birthday. He did live to 91. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Wow. Wow. Uh, okay, well, Dave. Happy birthday, JD. All right, yeah. I got that one out of the way. So now the the other two, I have confidence in you. I have confidence. Okay. Right. Are you ready, Dave, to rip some New Year headlines? Let's rip it, man. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Dave. Our first story is from MichiganLive.com. Keep up with my Michiganders there. Michiganders. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dave, have you ever been to uh, Victoria's Secret? Mm, I've, I've been dragged in there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. As a dude, I find it very tough to play it cool in Victoria's Secret. So true. You know? Yeah, yeah you just you act like you're not interested and you just stick to, you follow your girlfriend. That's right. You, you automatically don't feel like you should be there. Especially since the majority of times I did not have a girlfriend there. What? Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't, oh. I'm, I wasn't doing that, folks. You went you, in there by yourself. You feel like the box of cereal and the bags of lettuce in the produce aisle at the grocery store. Everybody's just walking by you like, who left that there? That shouldn't be there. That's weird. A bearded homeless man in Victoria's Secret. That's out He's of, waiting outside of the fitting room. Ew. That's out of place. Well, the next story is an example of how to make that feeling even more awkward. So true. So, um, a 29-year-old man walked into Fashion Square Mall in uh, in Michigan, went in mm -hmm. to the Victoria's Secret, and he was going to pay for some merchandise, apparently. He reached into his pocket, was pulling uh, out his wallet, and then putting it back into said pocket, and boom! Shot himself in the leg. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this 29-year-old had a loaded gun in his pocket with the safety off and shot himself Duh. in the leg in the middle of Victoria's Secret. Now, first, wow. first, Dave, do you know how many premature ejaculation jokes I thought of for this story? A lot. So D true. A D lot. But... I'm going to take the high road here, and that's all I'm going to mention. On to the next thing. Wow. The police looked into this guy, and uh, he had a concealed license permit, and the gun was registered to him. You just need to make sure safety's on. That's an important fact. An important fact. Yes. He really needs, hopefully, hopefully, this, this uh, lesson taught him. Safety. Check it. Important. Uh, Dave. Next story, KTV Q Channel 2 in Montana. Uh, do you remember the Unabomber, Dave? It's like a little bit before your time, I do believe. Hmm. The Unabomber. The um, Unabomber. It was like a military thing? Wait, what? Well, the Unabomber got caught. He was a terrorist. A, uh, oh. a he, he was a domestic terrorist that got caught in 1996 That's a little bit before your time as i said um yeah 
you were alive, but not really focusing on the news at that time, you know? Um, Still not focusing on the news. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nuh-uh. You're on this show focusing on the news, Dave. You are a respected you news anchor. That's right. Okay? Anyways. You're uh, right. Nope. You're right. I am. <laughs> Put that on my resume. Nope. Back in the 90s, Ted Kaczynski, he was the Unabomber. Nobody knew this. He lived out in a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Montana, and uh, he built up this belief that modern technology was leading to the ruin of society, right? And uh, so he started sending bombs to people he thought were contributing to this. Jeez. And uh, he was responsible for the longest and most expensive investigation the FBI has ever conducted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he's he's serving eight consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. So I guess if he's a cat, he'll have one life after he leaves jail. Just a thought. Ah yeah. Anyways, the reason I bring up the Unabomber Dave is after he uh, was arrested, his cabin mm-hmm. was was literally lifted out of Montana, and they took it to the museum, hmm. the N E W museum, as in news. Uh, yes, the museum in Washington D.C., and it's been on display since then at the museum. Well, the museum is closing. Oh. So they're like, so what are oh. they going to do with it? Well, exactly. The Montana Historical Society is looking to procure this cabin. Director mm-hmm. Bruce Wittenberg said, it's, it tells an important story of Montana. It's not a story we're uh, necessarily proud of. Nope. But it tells a story. True, Bruce. Sure. Definitely not a story you are proud of. So... I needed to bring this up for all you listeners out there that had planned your summer vacation around a trip to Washington, D.C. to look at the Unabomber's cabin. Mm. Just know you're probably going to have to go to Montana instead. Just keep that in mind for you guys. Keep that in mind. Dave, this next story, Dayton Daily News. A little bit confusing because it's about Tennessee, not necessarily Ohio. Oh, weird. Um, So... Well, actually, I didn't look. I don't know if there's a Dayton, Tennessee. I just assumed it was Dayton, Ohio. We're assuming not. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Dave, on the Christmas special last week, I asked Dalton what stories were better, Tennessee man stories or Florida man stories. Hmm. And after you reconsider. After reading the story, I feel like I should have been a little bit more specific and said Tennessee woman story. That's right. Because this lady <laughs> definitely rivals some Florida man stories. So Nancy Bray Hawkins, she was sitting around with her husband, Roy Hawkins, on Christmas watching some TV when they started to o- argue over the TV channel. The argument turned violent very fast yeah and so she started throwing some items at first just picking things up throwing them at him you know roy wasn't really having this nope but she really thought she was going to get her point across when she pulled out a loaded 38 revolver first pointed it at her head and then pointed it at him and said she was going to kill him um, oh jeez! Yeah, exactly. Right, a little bit, a little bit too fast of an escalation. Roy grabbed the gun from her, which I gotta say, kudos, Roy. I sure as <laughs> wouldn't have done that. No, <laughs> I big cojones. Not have done that. Then he decided, you know what, Nancy, she's acting a little bananas today. Yes! I'm gonna head out. 
So Roy left the house. And that's when she came running out after Roy with a meat cleaver and an eight-inch knife. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and Roy somehow managed to wrestle both of these weapons away from Nancy. Um, at which point... i he made it out of this story alive. Exactly. I, I just, at, just at this point... Roy somehow managed to get those away from her, and then he started walking away again, at which point she picked up a metal pole in the yard and threw it like a javelin at Roy, injuring his arm. Girl, come on! Yes. Uh, Nancy was arrested oh and charged with resisting arrest and aggravated assault. Dave, I'm going to go out on a limb and say whatever the dispute was over... Probably not worth trying to murder your husband with three different weapons. That's a fact. Gonna say. No. Probably not. Really. Probably not. Uh, and don't you, I mean, again. I mean, after you fail twice, like, don't you just stop? I, well, I usually I usually ask this about most of these escalation stories, but, like, don't you think, like, maybe after the, the second or the even, even the first, maybe, you'd be like, you know what? probably shouldn't kill my husband over a TV channel. Hmm. Like, you got a little bit of time while you're searching for the next weapon, and maybe you're just like, you know what? Maybe not today. Maybe maybe I shouldn't kill him. You know? Just a thought. Just, just a thought. So true. Dave, are you ready for a real headline? This is just the headline by itself. Give it to me. Okay, here we go. This is from the Washington Post. Quote, against the odds... He survived Ebola. Then his life fell apart. End quote. Now, I get wow. the headline. I get the headline, Dave. It's supposed to be sort of ironic. He survived this deadly disease, but it was something after the actual disease that was the problem. But I mean, I feel like they're really downplaying Ebola with that headline. So true. Yeah, it's like Ebola. Like, well, they were like. You know, he overcame something really hard, but then there was something even worse. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I just feel like they should have started that with like Ebola was no picnic. Nope. You know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, true story yeah. about this. The, this, this, this headline reminded me of this. Me and a friend were watching uh, news one day on the TV a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and they were talking about mm -hmm. a guy who survived Ebola, and it was talking about you know all the hardships of the disease. And my friend right. looks over after they finish, and he's like, how long do you think you're, like, contagious with Ebola, you know, having sex? Like, how long does that take? What? And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, you get Ebola, and in the middle of bleeding out your eyes, you're like, man, I really hope this doesn't kill my pickup game at the bar. Blam. Jeez. This is a real downer. I, I like, really need to get some action. I think that's... At the bottom of your list at that point in time. Like, let me try to stop bleeding from all my orifices, and then we may worry about that a little bit later. Just just a thought. True story, Dave. Uh, Dave, this uh, next story... Sicko. That's a fact. <laughs> yes. Dave, this next story is from WKYT in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we should all keep this technique that's used in this story in mind if we end up going to jail. 
Just keep it in mind. Anyone out there, listeners, keep this in mind. Jacob Baxter okay. uh, was uh, a uh, an inmate at the Kenton County Detention Center serving a felony charge of receiving stolen property. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess that's knowingly receiving stolen property. Like, somebody's like, hey, this is stolen, and the person's like, dope, and takes it, I guess. I'm not Word. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Nonetheless, Mr. Baxter was serving the sentence, and he knew that another inmate, Mason Pugh, was scheduled for a release that day. So, Mr. Baxter just walked up to the guards and was like, hey, I'm Mason Pugh. And the guards released Mr. Baxter. Wait, what? They were like, oh, all right. We'll see you later. And they let him out. Um, They didn't even check? That's crazy. No, no, like, call me crazy, but, like, shouldn't, shouldn't they, like, have more than just, like, what's your name? Okay, checks out. That's cool. Like... Don't, don't they have a picture of the dude or something? It's 2019. Don't you think they have a computer system? Like, uh, you're not Mason Pugh. Instead, these guys were just like, yeah, it sounds good. And like, I mean, how long have both of these inmates been there? I feel like some of the guards should be like, that's weird. That guy yeah, they was have going, to know their name. That guy was going by Jacob yesterday. Word. Must be a middle name yeah. or something. He changed his name to Mason. Cool. Cool. Like, I get the feeling that Jacob didn't even think it was going to work. Like, they... Yeah, they he were, was giving it a shot. They were like, see. they let him out, and he just sort of stared at the open door like, seriously? You guys are just going to... All right, I guess. Okay, just sort of slowly walked out. It's weird. It's weird. I'm just saying. Up, up, up the, up the defense. Kenton County Detention That sounds like something that would happen in a movie, not in real life. It did. It did. In Kentucky. Dave, this next story in NBC News Channel 8 in Tampa, um, they brought back what we were just talking about. Florida Man Stories. News Channel 8 listed their top eight Florida Man Stories of 2019. And I'm... Oh, there we go. I'm proud to say, Dave... The Doc G Show highlighted several of the stories they selected, including their Your number top one Florida story. Florida Man News Outlet. Yes! That's right. That's right. Uh, their number one story was the story, I don't know if you recall, uh, it was the Kill Him With Kindness story. Uh, where kindness. I I know I know Justin was co-hosting with me. I'm not sure if you went back and listened to it, but there was a man that uh, went over to his neighbors and they overheard him saying, "I'm gonna kill him with kindness." And then he tried uh, to hack him to death with a machete that was named yep, Kindness. Yep. Yes. Yep, I remember that yes. one. Although, I mean, that's a that's that's a that's a doozy of a Florida man story. After reading their their stories, I gotta say number six. I got, I gotta really wonder how was, was it didn't receive number one honors. Uh, okay. So this happened back in June. Uh, the Palm Bay Police stopped a 35 year old man around 1:30 a.m. for acting suspiciously. Sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. The man had a white garbage bag full of deflated pool floats. When the uh, when the police ask him, uh, what are all these floats about? He said, "Quote: 
he sac- he sexually gratifies himself with the pool floats instead of raping women. Wait, what? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's he, some Florida man shit. He then took the police <laughs> to a vacant house where he had about 75 pool floats. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. That's, dis- that's actually disgusting. <laughs> Which, first of all, come on. How is that not number one? That has to be number one. That is yeah. That is weird. Second, I- I'm guessing once the folks heard what happened to their pool floats, nobody wanted them back. So true. They're like, hey, you know those pool floats that were stolen from your pool? Here's what happened. You know what? You can keep those. I'm fine. <laughs> Just, yes! You can keep those. Lastly, if this guy... Uh, can just scrounge up some money to buy his own pool floats. I think he'll be fine. You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean those things are like fifty to a hundred bucks. I mean, if 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 he's doing this in his own house, I'm, yeah, yeah, nobody will want to come over for you know tea and cookies. But nope, you know, he won't be in jail for whatever he was doing. You know. Yeah, uh, I mean, as long as he does it in private, I guess, but <laughs> gracious Florida man. Okay, Dave, this is our uh, last story, and uh, it's, it, it struck a little bit of a vein with me again, because it's, it's, a, it's a little bit nuts. It's a little bit nuts. Okay. Okay. So, um, Dave, our last story comes from Daily Mail uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, Dave, homelessness... It's a problem in a lot of cities, am I right? Yes! It is indeed. It's pretty bad, including Las Vegas. Unfortunately. Las Vegas has a lot of of homeless individuals. Homeless makes sense. Well, one company decided to do something about it. So uh, recently, a local Las Vegas company handed out uh, hundreds of tents to the homeless people. Uh, Oh, nice. Yeah, which had their their logo on it. That's right. Um, You know. So if it rained and whatnot, uh, they wouldn't catch hypothermia yeah. and die. You know, that kind of deal. Um, really nice of them. I know what you're wondering. What's the company? Well, it was uh, Deja Vu Showgirls. That's that's uh, the company. Very, Dave, very selfless of them. You you see where I'm going with this. What do you think happened? I do indeed. What the do you think happened? The homeless people went to Deja Vu Girls. What? <laughs> <laughs> just come again. They're not. Come on. They don't have the money to go to Deja Vu Showgirls. Nope. Of course. You would think that. You would think that. Of course, a mother who wished to remain anonymous complained. Girl, come on. Complained about oh. the logos of Deja Vu Showgirls on these tents. Come she, on, mom. She claimed that the the tents were immoral and disgusting, and she was taken aback by them. And then she claimed that the tents caused her children to ask about the establishment. Oh, please, Dave. Oh, please, won't someone think of the children? So first of all, can I ask how the kids that have lived in Las Vegas their whole lives haven't asked their parents about a strip club yet? Mm. Like, come on, lady. You live in Las Vegas. (laughs) Like, what are you... You're you're not in the Bible Belt, okay? You're in Las Vegas. 
Gambling and strippers. That's what they do. It's sort of their motto. The motto is it's what happens culture. in your city stays there. It's not... It's not exactly like, hey, bring your family here to raise the most wholesome family Bible. Like, no. Deja vu. (laughs) No. No. Second, as I've said on the show before, how hard is it to explain to your kids? Hmm. Hey, 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 mom, what are those tents about? for money. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know, man. Some people pay other people to get naked. Crazy. I don't know. Like that's crazy. Keep keep driving. Look, turns their head and looks back at the road. <laughs> come on, come on. Last, I only hope that when she sees a homeless person without a tent getting rained on, she tells her kids, "See, thankfully they took that man's tent away, so now he's gonna die of hypothermia." All to shelter your virgin eyes from the deja vu showgirls logo. Totally worth it. Worth. Like, come on, <laughs> come on, lady. Let them sleep in their showgirls' tents. It's all they have. Jeez, it's not that horrible. Selfish. Anyways, Dave, we are going to take a break. We're going to hear from our guest of honor, Bishop Gunn, right here on the Doc G Show. the <laughs> 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Guys, go on your podcast downloading apps, whatever one mm-hmm. you use, mm-hmm. search us, mm-hmm. Doc G Show. Mm. You won't regret it. Nope. Like Doc said earlier, you'll keep your New Year's resolution longer and your significant other will love you more. And mm-hmm. then you'll show them the show, and they'll love you even more. And that's, then you'll both give us five-star ratings. That's that's bold claims, Dave. I don't know if we can fully back that. Nope. Maybe that'll be a Dave special, yeah. but thank you. Hey, it's 2020. Anything can happen. Anything, anything can happen. It is limitless. So true. And don't forget, on our website... We've now got videos for all of the last... We got, we've got we uh, got Lonely Highway up there. We've got Drake Freeman up there. And we've got Bishop Gunn up there. Oh, yeah. All, all, all videos. All made for you. Check them out. Say what? Check them out. Do it. Click that-ish. Ja- what? Mm. Dave, it's time to celebrate those who are listening in our... Yes. Segment shout outs. Shout outs. Okay, so first of all, regulars, let's run them down. Jacksonville, Florida. Shout out. Columbia, South Carolina. Yes. Charleston, South Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. That's right. Bradford, Virginia. Yes. Ashburn, Virginia. Yes. Kenner, Louisiana. Genoa, Italy. That's Maputo, Mozambique. Yes. Citrus Heights, California. Yes. Atlanta, Georgia. Gainesville, Florida, all regulars. Thank you, Shout one out. and all. Very nice. Shout out to the regulars. They're they're building, and it makes me happy, Dave. They're building. Yeah. Semi regulars, already. Hopefully, we've hooked this person in. These people from Hornsey, England. They're still Shout listening. Out. Thank you, Hornsey, England. Semi regulars. Shout out to Hornsey. Yes. Yes. Cincinnati, Ohio, O Town. There you go. There we go. Right there. San Jose, California. Shout out to Cali. Another Cali. Mountain View, California. Shout out to those guys. Here you go. Amberg, Germany. Yes. Yes. And lastly, Roanoke, Virginia, Star City. Shout out. Yes. There we go. Okay. Newcomers, Dave. It's our favorite. Newcomers. Ooh. Here's the first one. Coryton, Tennessee. Coryton. Shout out. Coryton. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's technically in Knoxville. Technically in the metropolitan area of Knoxville. Fun fact, Dave. Cool. It's where Kenny Chesney graduated high school. So true. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. yeah. It's probably Kenny Chesney that was listening. Let's be honest. That's a fact. Let's be yeah, honest. he probably went back and... Yep. Definitely. Definitely. There's no doubt about it. Word. Second. Here we go. We're going down to South America. Graca Aranha, Brazil. What? Yes. Graca Aranha. I probably said that wrong. Let's be honest. So true. It's Portuguese. It I don't know how to pronounce don't do that. Portuguese. I don't. It's not Spanish. You guys know that. I only do the Espanol. Word. Okay. That's my, that's my other language. All right. Nope. That's it. And that's not good at all, okay? No. Okay. Nope. Last one. Last one. We've got Ernakulam, India. Ernakulam, India. Yes. Ooh, India. Shout yes. Out. Now, I've, I, I've been told by TripAdvisor, because I looked this up, if I'm headed mm-hmm. to Ernakulam, I need to hit up mm-hmm. Mountain 
Cherry Palace. Need to check that out. That's that sounds fancy. Yeah, well, it was back when the Dutch were uh, inhabiting India, were ruling uh, in India, and apparently it's it's a real fancy place. Cameras are not allowed in there. Word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you'd break that rule. No, no, I wouldn't. I would not want to end up in jail in, in India. No, thank you. Nope. In India. Oh, no, God. thank you. Um, okay, Dave, are you ready? Well, first, thank you to everyone. One and all listeners, newcomers, thank semi-regulars, regulars. You guys rock. So true. Next on the list of to-dos, second birthday suit. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, you've got this one. I'm not worried. Born on January 1st, 1993 in Akron, Ohio. Mm. Too late for LeBron. Word. Too late. Yeah. We all know that was 1230, and we all know it was 84. Can't be LeBron. Uh, Anyways. What, what year was it again? 84. Oh, this one? 93. This one was 93. I was thinking LeBron, yeah. January 1st, 1993. Um... He was the son of a professional basketball player and always wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. He chose to go to Wyoming for college where he averaged mm -hmm. 11.3 points and 6.6 .6 rebounds a game. In 2015, he was drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers 27th overall. Mm. In 2018, he was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers along with Jordan Clarkson in exchange for Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye and a first-round pick. He, he switched. He switched. He switched his jersey to his dad's retired 22 in 2018. Last year, he averaged 9.4 points and 8.2 rebounds per game. He was in the slam dunk contest. Dave, who is that birthday suit wearer? Hmm. Dang it, I'm blanking. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you the initials. L-N. Larry Nance Jr. Boom! There it is. Nicely Ooh. done. Had to pull it out. Oh, I know he wasn't yeah, a big was, name, but you got there. That was a toughie. That was you a got toughie. there. That was. I, I don't know if I'd been able to get Larry Nance. If you would have read that to me and I didn't make it, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't think I would. I don't think. I just, but anyways. Yeah. The regardless. Wyoming, it was hard to create a background for the guy. Well, you know, uh, his dad's the big thing because his dad so far has, uh, no offense to, to Junior, but his dad has had a better career was, than him so was far. Was a much bigger baller, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Larry, you're turning 26. Get out there, Lair Bear, and do some damage on the town. Party it do up. Do it. Big 2-6. Get it done, man. Get two it done. 2-6, get lit. Now, let's, let's think about that for just a second. When you're... Birthday is on New Year's Day. Hmm. Do you go two days in a row? Do you party no, hard dude, both? You, you, no, you just party hard the night of, like, because when it's midnight, I the ball can... drops. It's your birthday. And that's why you're here, you Dave. Don't, you don't, you're always. You thinking. don't go out enough, Doc. Oh. You're always thinking, Dave. Okay, okay, Dave. We are moving on. We're gonna do something new here. We're taking an old I segment, like but I'm, but I'm, but I'm tweaking it. Making I'm it better. I'm tweaking it a little bit. I'm not the getting rid of the old edition. version. This is just a new new edition. We're keeping the old edition, okay. but we also have okay. a new one. This is Hot okay. Takes of History Deep Dive. Oh, That's right. Deep Dive. H-T-H-D-D. -D. Uh, 
mistakes of history. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. DD. Okay. You're going to need a DD. What, is the, what does the deep dive mean? How deep so, we going? So this is a little different. I just take one topic, and I give you a little outlook on it because I find it humorous. I just find this goofy. So, Dave, today we're going to look into the Mazino line. Do you the know what? about the Mazino line? Hmm. Like L-I-N as in... No, no, Mazino. Um, Mazino as in uh, French pronunciation of M-A-G-I-N-O-T. Mazino line. Yes. What's yeah. the second word? Lime. Lime. L-I-N-E. Lime like the... F oh, line. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. Now, no, before I, I, no I get it... what we're talking about. Nope. Uh, well, good. You're going to get informed not today, not only on news, but also on history. There we go. That's right. So, Dave, have you ever had a plan or an idea that you've been thinking about for a long time and you thought mm -hmm. was, like, really brilliant and you were, like, really mm -hmm. jazzed about it and then mm -hmm. you told your idea to somebody mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. just ruined your whole idea? They pointed out something you were like, ah, oh, damn. You're yeah, right. for sure, for sure, for sure. Right. That's what the Mazino line is. Hmm. That was on, okay. on a country-to-country -country level instead of person-to-person -person level. The French thought they had a great idea, and Germany just sort of crapped on it. That's what happened. That's what happened. Oh. So, Dave, Germany, from like 1950 to 1940, uh, 1915 to 1945, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. very cool. Nope. In fact, they started two world wars. So true. Right? Yep. I right? definitely agree with that one. Um, uh, and you know who didn't really trust them? The French. Nope. You know? Fair. They're right beside like, them. Deservedly so. They're right beside them. They were like, hmm. Yeah. Especially after World War One, they were like, mm. you know, on account of the fact that they tried to take over the world, we should probably protect ourselves against these guys, right? So mm -hmm. everybody in France was pretty convinced that Germany was going to try to take over the whole world again. Right, and mm -hmm. after seeing World War One, they were like, you know what? It's probably going to be a long war too. It's going to be a horrible world, right? So all the talking heads in France went back and forth, and they were trying to talk about how this would be a good idea, right? They were like, what should we do? How should we prepare? And there was this dude, Andre Maginot, right? Okay. And uh, and he was like, listen, dummies, I've got the idea. Here it is. There's a 280-mile border with Germany. We need to work on that. If we just build a massive line of defenses, Germany can't mess with France. Boom. Okay. Problem solved. That's right. And somebody in the room was like, hey, what about our border with Belgium? Hmm. That's a pretty good question. Because we all know Belgium's good for chocolate and waffles. Yes! Not so much for defenses. Nope. They're not nope. great on that. Waffles? Chocolate. Yes! Great on those two things. Love Definitely. both of those. Not on Fantastic. defense. No. So Andre shot back. He was like, don't worry about it, guys. There's the Arden Mountains. No no army's going to get through those mountains. Crazy. It's a natural defense. We're good. Right? And everybody's like, sounds good. So for 10 years leading up to World War II, France made this line of defenses. Yes! They put everything out there. Observation posts, ammunition drops, anti-rank rails, or anti-tank rails, safety quarters, all this stuff, right? Everybody talked about how impenetrable the line was. French public was like, yeah, we got this bad line, no worries. We're good, right? 
So uh, by 1939, when Germany invaded Poland, right, France was like, it's all good. We've got the Maginot Line. Nobody's got to worry about it. It's good. Solid, right? Hmm. Then Germany uh, talked to themselves, and they're like, hey, let's invade France. And uh, France was like, oh, don't worry about it, because we've got our line. We're not worried, right? And the Germans were like, that's right. They've got the marginal line. And then generals were like, you know what? Let's just put an army in front of the line, like we're trying to decide how to tack their line, and then we'll just send everybody through Belgium behind the line. And they're like, oh, that sounds good, right? So France watched them do this and was like, oh, you know what? Those mountains don't really seem to be slowing them down. They're just moving right through those mountains right into Belgium. Jeez. And in a month, Germany had taken over France. Wham. Essentially, <laughs> the line was completely unnecessary, Dave. Completely unnecessary. It did nothing. Essentially, imagine if France was your house and you were worried about the people across the street stealing things from your home. Mm. So you got a doorbell camera on the front door, an alarm system, a gun turret, a titanium door, Sweet. but you didn't do anything to the back door mm. because there was a mud puddle in front of the back door, and you're like, nobody's going to try to walk through that mud puddle. They don't want to get their shoes wet. Nope. We're going to come in and steal things from our house because of the mud puddle, right? The so Germans. How far away, how far away did they go from the line? Oh, it wasn't that far. You know, it, was, <laughs> it, it wasn't that far. It was just outside of the gun range, right? The Germans just Dummies. stepped through the mud puddle and went through the back door, and the Allies were like, back door. Who would have thought they didn't care about muddy feet? It's crazy. It's crazy. HTH. Takes of history. That's the HTH deep dive, Dave. Majino line. Yes. Yes. I just learned something deep. You, you did. You did. You learned how static defenses on a person's border, completely unnecessary. Yes. Completely unnecessary. Especially when they're especially when they're using Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg. That's right. The Blitzkrieg bop. Ooh, good jam. Ramones. Oh, yeah. Anyways, we are going to take a break. We will be right back with the guys from Bishop Gunn right here on the Doc G Show. Yes, 
bottle was an hourglass I'd say that I'm about an hour past the minute I should have put it down But I'm making it I'm making wrong feel right I'm making it And if hell where I'm headed there Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very, very lucky for the first show of the new year to have none other than Travis, Byrne, Drew, and Ben of Bishop Gunn in the studio today. Guys, how we doing? Doing good. Yeah, man. Fantastic. A little sleepy. <laughs> so, right now, you guys are doing shows with Blackberry Smoke. Yes! Right? Now, you guys have done some shows with them in the past before, right? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, 2018 we did. Uh, 2017. Was it 17? Oh wow, so it's been a while. Yeah, so we did we did a small run with them there and uh, a few festivals here and there, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then this run right now. Nice, so, nice. So, Southern Rock Cruise last uh, January. Yeah, yeah. How are the fellas? How were? Uh, oh, I love them, man. Work with. They're cool dudes. Charlie and the guys are. Uh, it's real nice, and they take care of us so. Very nice, very nice. Now, Burn, you're sort of the center of the origins of Bishop Gunn there. Over these past like five years that you've you've been 
doing this Bishop gun. Is it gone like you thought it would? It's gone a lot better. Sweet. <laughs> I would have to say we've uh, we've ended up with some incredible guys. I mean, Drew and Ben here, and then plus you know the very early days finding Travis here. Yeah. Uh, was a godsend, man. He he's a hella vocalist, and everybody around town like you have to, if you want to do a rock band like. There's nobody else. That's what that's what I was getting from all the research that I did. Right, was right. Like pointing towards Travis. If you wanted it, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, and so somehow or another, we we got him and, and uh, ended up becoming best friends and, and making some great music over the last five years. Nice, man. Nice. Now, your band name comes from Gravestone in the hometown. Real cool name. Two ends on the gun. That's right. Uh, did you ever worry, like when you first got that name, you're like, Maybe this guy really sucked. Hmm. Like, did you ever... Yeah, I mean, we wasn't necessarily thinking so much about his, like, how he was. But we, for we, one day. Yeah. Sure, yeah. it was for one one gig, actually. And it was a, as a cover band in the home, Hometown Festival, uh, the Balloon Festival. Nice. And, uh, and then it just kept it over time. Well, then it became a studio project. And we started doing gigs and... Nice. And it kind of stuck. It was a bit of an accident. but I would be worried if it was me that I'd be like, guys, turns out Jeffrey Dahmer band, not a good idea. This guy wasn't good. Just It's actually a pretty cool story. Yeah, he ended up, uh, he did a bunch of great stuff for the area and whatnot, but uh, actually got poisoned by World War One German spies, arsenic, and lived. Wow. Um, so he ended up being quite a G. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a much better story than yeah. serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Much better. Much better. Now, uh, your hometown is in Mississippi. I've never been to Mississippi. Just in general, if I were going to Mississippi, where was the first place that you would tell me to go? Natchez. Yeah. Okay. No no question. Hometown right is where you're it. going. Yeah, it's it's really different than the rest of the state. It's uh it's a very cool artistic town. Got some beautiful architecture and really cool deep history. Very nice. And uh, other than that, just the people are great, man. You know, the bars don't have to close. The uh, oldest so town in the Mississippi open. River to be uh, 304 years old in August. I saw that. 1716. It's two years older than New Orleans. It's a French settlement as well. Very nice. Very nice. Now, you guys, out of your hometown, you've done for the last two years the, the crawfish boil. Right now, um, are you doing it this year or 2020? Are you we're gonna... working on it right now? Very nice. Yeah, so we're trying to get it all put together. Well, you had some big hitters last year. You had Tyler Childers and uh, and uh, Blackberry or uh, Blackstone. Blackstone Cherry. Southern uh, Avenue. They just got yeah. nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. yeah, they were kicking. Their set got cut short though from the rain. That's what's giving us problems for this year. We had thunderstorms all day. The turnout wasn't. You know, because it was a week worth of 100% severe thunderstorm forecast. It's like a, dip, it was like <laughs> so, a doomsday forecast. Yeah, exactly. we, we were in Punta Cana, and um, I was hearing about it a little bit, but I never looked at the weather, and I was just trying to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> but it did uh, It did turn out doable when when the whole week... We only had it one said, lightning. It said it was um, pretty much impossible. So We had a it picture taken, a photographer... Um, shot some some pictures of us for rolling stone country and we were all standing on the porch of this house and we'd been out there all day and everybody's just soaking wet we're standing there like <laughs> it kind of turned out cool though we went on stage we're like god man this is crazy we walk on stage and of course you look out in the crowd and everybody else is worse than we were i was like well yeah. this is all right everybody's in the mud together you know <laughs> so. it would have been um 
everyone would have been covered in sweat in May, uh, May 12th. That's true. Uh, in May, yeah, so. That's right. And mosquito bites. Keep everybody cool, whenever. really. If you don't mind a little water. We did the uh, Mississippi balloon race in October. And man, that was like perfect weather. But yeah. The same t- in Natchez, too. So yeah. Cool yeah, we had to redeem it. We had to redeem it. <laughs> Come on. Now, I think the most important thing, though, of this festival... Uh, did you, on either year, did you run out of crawfish? Hmm. No, but I do know, I think the first year we did like 3,500 pounds, and this year was somewhere north of that, actually. Nice, nice. I, I don't really remember the n- actual number, but even in the rain, people were throwing down, man. Good, because I, I... True I, Mississippi style. I lived in Columbia, South Carolina for a long time, and they had a crawfish festival as well. And every year, they would run out of crawfish. I would get there at like one in the afternoon and be like, "Let's do it," and they'd be like, "We're all out." And I was like, huh. "What?" That doesn't. That never. How the hell that that doesn't. We're happen. down there by Louisiana. So <laughs> that doesn't happen. Then that I'll just area. go to the river. And that's good. <laughs> and that's yes! good. That's that's the most important thing. Now, last question about the hometown. Uh, on any other day that the crawfish boil isn't going on. If I call you guys up and I'm like, I need to eat in Natchez, where are you going to tell me to go eat? Route 61. Yeah, our homie Jason owns that. Jason's place. That's a bad So true. Route 61. Route. R-O-U-X. Oh, okay. Okay. What do they serve? Steaks, burgers, a bunch of catfish. Cajun seafood. Cajun seafood. Nice. Or oyster bars. Great. Can I give you a... Let me give you a little info on the... Just... Uh, there's some pretty cool things that goes around with the um, the band name and you know back to its members and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that we kind of been finding out along the way. It's some pretty cool facts. Um, so, um, all right, Bishop Gunny was so you look on the grave uh, and that and it's what I guess he was Bishop what 1911 to 26, and uh, you always see the I'm, I always knew the year. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to looking at the actual date, February 19th, and uh, that's, that's my little boy's birthday. Oh. And um, so that, that's a coincidence there, you know, when I was, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And um, when we got back from Europe this past year, so, so the three of us, we're all from um, Natchez, and right. Drew, we met in. Met them in and, Nashville. Um, yeah. And uh, Nashville, he was born in San Francisco, raised in Connecticut. We meet him in Nashville. We get back from Europe. Come to find out his great-grandmother was born in Natchez. Oh. So there was another... Uh, I'm finally a part of this band. I was about to say, you got a There was another... Um, All right, uh, fine. You can get listed on the album credits. What? <laughs> Deeper roots. And that's just a couple of them, man. But there's there's a few more that just like, these things pop up and it's like... Just makes it meant to be. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty Very odd. Nice. It's pretty odd. Nice, man. Well, I, I noticed you guys, you, as you mentioned, you now are in Tennessee as far as the uh, the farmhouse there. Uh, and it's not really, it's it's not, you know, you're near Nashville, but you're outside of Yeah, Nashville. Sleeper's Fork. Was that, was that a conscious effort? You did not want to be, you know, in the city? Yeah, totally. And there's, um, so we... We're out there for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved up on November 26, 2016. Uh, we've, and it's actually on the Natchez Trace. It's about it comes within a, a mile or two. Yeah. Of the Natchez Trace, about 430 miles up. Just like, straight so shot. Just, we just kind of moved up yeah, the road. road man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we 
no TVs, no, we didn't, we got internet last year, and I guess some cell service boosting, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, yeah, we just, just instruments, stuff. instruments yeah. in a little demo room, and, yeah, and we wrapped, um, we just finished the new album, and it coincidentally wrapped on November 26th, three years to the date, so. Wow. That's two albums in. Numbers game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that story with Alabama. You know, we wrote that song after the Natchez album was pretty much wrapped. It was like, all right, we're sending everything off to mix. And we had a writing session, me and Travis and um, Nicolette, and sat down and wrote the song Alabama. And then we were like, we talked about it, we demoed it. And like, man, this should probably go on the album. So. We kind of put everything on pause for a minute, and we booked a date at Fame down in Muscle Shoals. And uh, so they gave us the date. It was January 2nd. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so after Christmas, you know, we kind of got our stuff together, and we started heading down there that morning, got the phone call um, that Rick Hall had passed away mm-hmm. that day. And, of course, he's the man in yeah. Muscle Shoals. He started everything there. And, uh, and so it was just kind of a, a weird vibe, you know. And that song is a really kind of dark song anyway yeah and then but his son rodney called us back and he's like you know uh rick was a you know a, a guy that wanted the work done he was a go-getter yeah. he you know for he sure. would be upset if he, if he knew that the studio had closed his doors for any reason you know especially to you know because he had passed away mm. um and so to make him happy and honor his memory he's like come down and and record you know we're going to continue the session that's what you had booked yeah so the whole vibe of the day was kind of dark and you know the engineers I and mean, everybody knew him really well it worked there of course and, yeah and um so it was just kind of i think we that all kind of affected the way that the song was captured and the sound we got out of it that particular day but again it's just one of those things you can't you can't plan it type of stuff and it's just it just happens and we, you know you, and you just go with it you know and i guess it's just maybe the universe's way of telling you you do the, the right, right thing and on the right yeah, path we've, had, we've had a lot of those weird universal speaking to us in weird coincidental ways yeah you know, we're always just like, okay, that affirms it. Let's, keep, right. let's double down. <laughs> let's just keep you know? going a little longer. It's like, happens. oh, word. I was wondering if we were doing the right thing. Good. <laughs> Thanks, Uni. Did 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 you feel weird, Travis, having that line, obviously, in the chorus of Hope I Don't Die in Alabama? And, yeah, that made it a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely was strange, but I mean, it that's came... the only song we had to record. Yeah. Now you went back later. Now you've recorded We've, again. Yeah, we thing, did. Right? We did um, second album. Ten songs in like five days, I guess, back in January, Jeez. and then and then we went back. I guess was it October? November. I early November. Nice. October. Yeah. Was it October? With Jakir King. Nice. Yeah, he's. A I guess we did like another what eight. Now, did you do any for this new album at uh, the Sound Studios? No. no. Yeah, just okay. Fame this time. Very nice. Yeah, not Muscle Shoals Sound this time. Very we nice. We love them both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you were you guys were the first ones to record after it reopened. Yeah, was the it, first um, mm-hmm. single to come out of there uh, with the Muscle Shoals Sound name since, it's, since it opened back up since um, 78. Very nice. Jeez. And I was looking at that. 
uh, it was because of a grant from uh, from Beats. Yeah, Dr. Dre, thank you. Shout out. <laughs> Very nice. It's kind of funny, man. You're in this old historic place where, you know, Dwayne Almond and Eddie Hinton and all these, you know, yeah. Skinner and then they have these Dr. Dre headphones. Well, that's like, it. All right. That's it. I, I, I saw that grant. I was looking uh, I was looking at um a, a article about it and I was like, man, out of all the people. All right. Yeah, hey. All right. I mean, he, he knows where good then. music is. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Amen. Especially Amen. working with uh, uh, Iveen, uh, Jimmy Iveen. He uh, he can point out good music, man. That's he knows sure. the importance of real instruments and, and whatnot, too, in his productions. So that's always yeah. cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, you mentioned before uh, you guys are originally from uh, Mississippi and Drew. Uh, you met him in Tennessee. And uh, I like the story how you guys just ran into him at an antique store. <laughs> Drew, yeah. was, was that your your plan all along, to just hang outside? Tell of what a, day our, that was. <laughs> outside of an yeah. antique store? So uh, that was October 29th. Uh, I remember the day, this was the day Dwayne Allman died. I'm a huge Dwayne oh, fan. See? So. <laughs> and, you know, nobody was really there. It was like, remember my, my old dog was sick and, uh, wife was out of town or something. And I was like, oh, why am I doing this? You know, playing in front of an antique shop? Like, what? <laughs> and, um, man, never turned down a gig because you never know who you're going to meet, and especially in Nashville, you know. And um, so, did the gig and uh, met these guys, and about a month later, well, I guess they came into the guitar shop at work at Carter Vintage Guitars. Yeah, unrelated. We didn't know. <laughs> So we saw him then, and then later yeah. on, we went and go pick up a guitar for they Travis. They asked me out, yeah. came over, and Travis, the first song he sent me was Shine. So, nice. So I get down with this, you know? Very nice. So oh, he, yeah, tries to, yeah, he tries cool. to find the house, you know, and it's way the hell in the middle of nowhere. And um, <laughs> so he, you, cr- you cross two creeks to get there. Like the, um, so there's, under Nashville's it's limestone. Yeah. Well, it's not very big trees, you know, you just, they can't root very well. So anyway, but in the um, Greeks, like, you just drive it's right like through? you drive straight through them on some of the public roads out yeah. there because it's like just hard limestone underneath like, a, you know, a few inches of creek or whatever. And uh, so, so he goes to the address, but it was one like in a town over, like in the next county, <laughs> the same address. I think it was Lyles, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, Dixon or something. And um, he was like, so he was, yeah, yeah. He was, so we're on speakerphone and he's calling, like trying to get updated directions, I guess. And I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, oh, so do y'all like? Is there like a fence at the end of a gravel road? <laughs> uh, so I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and we're kind of laughing because we know how hard it is to find the house. Because anytime somebody tries to come out there, we usually go through that. And um, he goes, "Are y'all f- with me?" <laughs> and I can just hear like the really aggravation. Other, you know? We're like ah, kind of laughing, like, you know. No, dude, no. But, it's the initiation process. <laughs> and he finally makes it out Unintentional there. Unintentional <laughs> It worked out. It did. Yeah, Our first show was out. a William Rast fashion show. Yeah, and we were separated by like 50 feet. So Ben and I were way over here. On one side of the fashion ramp, and then Travis and Drew were way over there. So we're like, hey, guys. <laughs> First song, my amp dies. And um, the second show. Was, Rhythm uh, section held it down. Yeah, but Travis wasn't even playing guitar on that song. So it was just like 
a bass player and a drummer and Travis with a microphone. Just had some good rhythm. There was, it was like, welcome to the first show yeah. ever. <laughs> so that was kind of, I mean, it wasn't a complete disaster. We worked it out, but it was just kind of crazy. It's very weird, though. And then, that, the, then the second show we played was in Jackson for St. Patty's Day for after the parade. And that sounds like a great idea until you realize it was 11 o'clock that night. But the parade's like 11 o'clock that day. So by the time we got up there to play, like I mean, there was nobody out. It was just drunk, went home. And so there was about five people, and I think about four of them worked at the bar. And uh, so those were that was pretty much a disaster, well, too. Third fourth, <laughs> third, fourth, and fifth show were on the Kid Rock cruise, and we come off of that boat, and it was just like, boom, fan base exploded. Okay, so so you st- had to stick through it for the, the first couple of gigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then it got good. Okay. Universe wasn't on your side for the first two. Then they were they checking came us back. out. They were checking us out. Came back. So we, we talked a little bit about the, the your last album, um, which has done very well over the last year. Yeah, uh, thank you, man. Definitely got a lot of uh, love from different places, Rolling Stone, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of... Build up a lot of fans. I want to ask about one song in particular, um, "All the Ways." Yeah, um, the Ode to Cougars. It's sort of, it sort of, uh, it 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 intrigued me as soon as I heard it. I was like, "This is my favorite song on the album." Now, uh, I don't think I had a girlfriend under thirty until I was in my twenties. Really, <laughs> really. So that was what I was about to ask. There it is. There was. It was inspired by real life, huh? Mm-hmm. Very nice, very nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now, one of the other things I noticed about the album, uh, a lot of cool videos, uh, the Alabama video, and I noticed the uh, documentary you did as well, uh, Tyler Barksdale, yep. sort of mm-hmm. behind. Uh, That's the man right there. Behind all the uh, producing there. How'd you guys start working with mm. him? He was a good buddy uh, through our art guy John Turner, who does all of our graphics mm-hmm. and like art and t-shirt designs, CD yeah. covers. Um, and, and they had worked they're together both working previously. on the new album stuff right now, actually. And I think in Huntsville, like years yeah, ago, and then they kind of reunited, you know, right before. And John was kind of in the mid- middle of doing stuff with us, and he's like, "Hey, I, I just met up with the guy I used to work with this, you know, film stuff, and I had to check him out." So. Yeah. Does a lot of he's, good work. You yeah, had Theo, you had Theo Brilliant. Vaughn in yeah. the uh, Alabama. Gang, gang. Shout out. Very Shout nice. Out. Very nice. Uh, now, uh, when, you, when you guys write, you guys do that on a sort of a, a collaborative group effort, right? It's usually um, a lot of it's like, all right, a lot of it's um, pretty majority. I'd say over half I'll write. You know, alone or and then say the other half. Usually, I mean, Ben will start and do a co-write, mm-hmm. or and I've co-written a few with some. I have like two uh, two people that I prefer to write with when I do co-write, and um, and it's kind of uh, more of an edit, more of an editorial process, you know, mm-hmm. to where I'm writing around and, and Ben's Ben's in it a lot of times. Um, we're writing around what we're going to perform, mm-hmm. kind of like it's a subject matter that's that's um, you know us, yeah, and kind of bouncing ideas. It's sometimes it's easier to get stuff done when or songs done faster when you're kind of bouncing off. Is this cool or, or right. whatever? Rather than just writing 
and then saying, oh, I'll come back and finish this later, and, uh, and you don't. <laughs> or you're just kind of wondering, because it's like reading the same lines over and over, you kind of, or saying the same word over and over, and it just starts to become like a... Just beating your head against yeah, the wall. Yeah, just kind yeah. of the word just gets you know harder to say, just tongue twisted. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing when you're writing. And um, Ben had... Uh, Back when we were the original lineup, with the, we had a different guitar player and mm-hmm. bass player for like the first year or two, mm-hmm. and Ben was solo acoustic, and he would open for us sometimes, and, and, and he came to Ben's to Burn Studio, and we produced um, his solo album mm-hmm. called This Town. So shout out to Ben, shout out. Ben Lewis, <laughs> and, uh, and he had a song called "Devil Is a Woman" on there. Yeah. So when he joined the band, we we really just wanted that song, so we let <laughs> it. <laughs> so, I guess you gotta get the bass. So that that song was written uh, by Ben, and there's another version. So group deal. Get and the then, song. So when, get and we'll the get bass the, player. Um, and a lot of, a lot of it was a lot of them. A lot of the songs would be written in the living room. Sit on the couch yeah. with um, acoustic guitars, and then we'd go straight to the demo room. And that's where the collaborations kind of come together. It's like yeah, and this is and that's kind of when it becomes like a full band thing. Um, and then a producer gets a hold of it, and he he'll make cuts and changes and yeah. this and that. Or sometimes we'll just on the fly in the studio on the actual recording making changes. So we'll go in there, like say a click. I think this is the speed, you know, and then just do a, a run through with the acoustic mm-hmm. and. Um, and uh, then sing over that usually, and then burn, played played drums just right over voice, and like acoustic guitar, just and I'm telling kind of the energy of the song, you yeah. know. And then um, and a lot of times we would never go back and and change those drums. Sometimes, you know, once then then you do a guitar over it, and yeah. then bass, and then I'll go back and sing again, mm-hmm. whatever. And then Drew plays, and then it'll be kind of built up to that, and Drew plays that with the texture that he feels you know around that and like i said sometimes I'll, we would most of the time the drums would already be kind mm-hmm. of what they were yeah the boys call with the beats <laughs> <laughs> rather than go back and you know and, and yeah. change the energy of it but about so to say. it kind of hit we kind of nailed it on the first time of making demos like that and then and then that's kind of blueprint to um what we would do live so yeah. we'd have it like you know we could listen to it Riding down the road or whatever, get it, get it in our heads, and then go to rehearsal, and we kind of know the you song. Yeah, once we play something like that live, you know, fifty times, you know, different shows or whatever, like it naturally kind of, you know, everything's kind of smooth out or it shapes up and whatever else. And so, yeah, it's a process between sitting on the couch and being like, "What if we said something like blah blah blah," and, you know, and then to a final product. There's just a lot of steps in between that that really make a song. Well, I noticed you guys have a, a pretty good amount of different inspirations, and I and I saw Travis has, has brought it up in a lot of interviews. Uh, Bob Seger. Yes. Why Why is Bob Seger such a, a big inspiration? Because I'll be uh, honest, I love Bob Seger. He's one of my favorites too. Well, um, dynamics. Yeah. It was was always. Um, I mean, even when I didn't really know back in the day, listening a lot, you know what what the elements were yeah. but um and the d- dynamics and the storytelling and instrumentation you know like i always loved how much he would go um all the way down to the floor you know basically or just to an acoustic 
so to speak, mm-hmm. um, like some more three quarters of the way through the song, you know, and then just give it back, back kind of just, yeah. just take it away and then be able to deliver the momentum back. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and yeah, it's storytelling and classic night moves. Yeah, that's what exactly, exactly. And turn the page. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, he always did that. Yeah, and uh, and vocally, you know, uh, but he was. If you listen to the early stuff. Like uh, Bob Seger and the system, mm-hmm. like in the uh, late like '68, when he uh, had Glenn Fry for a hot minute. And uh, you go, um, you go um, back and listen to that stuff, and he was like mid '70s sound in like '68. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was like halfway through the '70s, way before <laughs> everybody else, and and he kind of sang in a uh, soul way, yeah, you know, like that in, in the Muscle Shoals kind of way. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually did three albums at Muscle Show Sound. Mm-hmm. So it, that kind of tied all back in. And uh, the piano that's on, uh, you'll hear on Making It, what's, it's through most of the Natchez album and like a, um, where we had a player like play, you know, to a lot of the songs, but I play the um, Baby Grand on Making It. And that's the, uh, that's the one that was on his albums that you hear in, the famous yeah also Freebird was written on that piano jeez that's some that's some hollow ground right there yeah sure it sure was yeah. sure getting ready to play their uh hometown there jacksonville getting ready to play leonard skinner's hometown that's, that's right. right yeah tonight today there's a lot of if you had more time in the city there's a lot of great landmarks you can go check oh uh, yeah i wish of yeah. skinner orlando sure. tomorrow though so uh, in and out in gotta, and out gotta go i always call i always call bob seeger the Ernest hemingway of of rock and roll because he's, he's that's a fact to me he's like hemingway and the fact that he's it's simple and it, it's straightforward but at the same time nobody else could do it like he just does it better than everybody else as far as getting to the point and having this great song that you're like you can't recreate that just so so impressive now your favorites almond brothers right drew also got their start in jackson so true yeah yeah they, uh, I, I heard, you know, he brought up uh, recording on that piano. I hear a lot of Almond Brothers in making it. Oh, know? cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. You I, know, that's just, my dad took me to a concert. It was March 12, 2005 in New York City at the Beacon Theater. We know a lot of dates. <laughs> Weird with numbers. You do. You you brought up a lot of dates. It's a good thing. I'm just you're now not, noticing it, too. I'm like, wow. Don't quiz me at the end. <laughs> I think I'm going to get them all wrong. But, yeah. Yeah, man. Very I was cool. a hockey player, and uh, I like surf. I lived down in California, surfing, playing hockey, and then uh, my dad's job kind of uh, had us move back to the East Coast, and so, and then you know he grew up on some really good music. I was born in San Francisco. My parents were deadheads, so um, it was always around, uh, listening wise. And then I saw them play, and I was like, I gotta do that. <laughs> so, what was what, what was yours, Burn? What uh what made you want to play? What was the first band that made you want to play? Man, I've always my favorite band probably my whole life's been Led Zeppelin. I see the I see the necklace. I see the tattoo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. John Bonham, he made me hit harder. My dad than was a drummer man. as well, but he was the one who really inspired me though to want to be a drummer live. I guess. When you watch Moby Dick. And yes. you rewatch it a thousand times. <laughs> How? How? With his hands? What is he doing? Uh, it's alien, dude. Alien. Crazy. Ben, what was what was your start off point? Man, I I grew up listening to Hank Williams Jr. Yes. Uh, I remember um, 
stealing the, my dad's uh, Steppenwolf cassette tape. <laughs> and that's probably the first rock and roll I ever heard, you know. Yeah. I mean, aside from Hank Jr.'s kind of in and out of that, kind of in, in the rock and roll country, whatever else. But I, my mom tells a story when I was in, um, I guess, like I was about four years old or something. You know, I was going to this preschool at this uh, church, the Presbyterian Church in Natchez. And her, uh, the teacher called her in there afterwards, you know, when she came to pick her up. And she's like, so we did a thing today when we talked about music and, and uh, what everybody's favorite song was, you know. And most kids, I guess, were singing Jesus Loves Me or <laughs> the ABCs or something. And, and uh, mine was Whiskey on Ice. And, nice. and she didn't know what it was. And she said, what, what song is that? So I started singing it for her. I like my whiskey on ice and my women on fire. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, okay, thank you for sharing that. I got a sim. I got a similar story. Go back to Dr. Dre. I did the same thing in third grade with uh, nothing but a G thing, <laughs> and they asked me to. They asked me to sing a song. That's what I went with. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Pe- people, uh, they weren't. They weren't hip to it for some reason. I'm not sure. The principal wasn't too big of a fan. It's odd. Uh, 2019, big year for you guys. Uh, I think one of the coolest things about it, uh, Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, they. You open for them in Houston, NRG Stadium. Yeah, yeah. How how big of a show was that? The biggest 60, show to 60, this point, sixty thousand people. Yeah, we we um, mm-hmm. we pulled up unsigned in a Chevy van. The the security guy was where like, yeah, our we're, tickets were. <laughs> we're our, and then they were like, "Well, where's your tour bus?" This is it. This van is it. They thought we were crew. Now, uh, how how did you guys get selected as? the band for we'd met some um some affiliates i guess uh two uh, maybe six years ago they shot um the movie get on up uh the james brown uh story mm-hmm. uh, movie at natchez about six years ago and so like with publicist of uh, jagger and you know other team members of like was it jagger films i believe and um kind of kept up with the band over the last six years and you know through its growth and about um i guess so about the time they were going to tour the states we were kind of into we were had worked up to i guess our credibility and just um performance and and showmanship and whatever to where they um you know, it it added up and nice. kind of collided about the same about the right time to where very nice. Now, did to you where guys we were get, eligible to be able to do something like that. Did you get to meet uh, the yeah. Stones? Oh, yeah. Very nice. Tell them your story, Travis. It's the best one. <laughs> oh, we got my my Jagger story. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we do. So we take a picture afterwards, mm-hmm. and so I'm when I go when I come off stage, whether it's. 30 minutes set in the air conditioner or two hours outside it doesn't matter I'm usually soaking wet and sweat <laughs> and so we were standing there and these guys are tiny <laughs> and, uh, they are they're they definitely are shorter than I thought and uh, Mick's got his hand on my back you know we're all like staggered like one I guess one stone in between us yeah and um, the camera's going click 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 and he never breaks pose and he, he just I hear him go you are wet. <laughs> and I was like, well, sorry. Sorry, Nick. You know, like, I sweat a little bit when I'm playing. 
Some dumb shit. Oh, man. Getting told you're sweaty by Jackers. You are wet. He's been training for years now. He can he can be less sweaty. He's he's trained his oh, that, this costume changes too for him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I aspire to be Keith Richards when I'm older. I know I'll never get there, but Man, if you could put Keith Richards and Jack Nicholson together, that's who I want to be. <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah. cool together. That's yeah. that's who you want to be. But it's funny, man. I think one day, like I mean, one day Keith Richards is going to pass away, and when he does, I just feel like no one is going to believe it. <laughs> that's true. And it'll be, you know, it will be a true. real thing, you know, and they'll be, be like, no, seriously, be like Tupac. Yeah, they'll be like, no. Ten he's, years he's, later, yeah. I knew it. He's still he alive somewhere. Yeah. He's hanging he can't out. Di- he can't die. Just, <laughs> we gotta start thinking about what kind of world we're gonna leave him and Willie Nelson, man. Come on. It's true. <laughs> Willie's also never going to die. That's true. Yeah. Uh, another cool thing, you guys went to Europe, uh, toured with Slash. Yeah, we did fifteen shows in eleven countries in three weeks, which yeah. is Jeez. awesome. Was that everybody's first time or not first time to Europe? Uh, I think everyone had been. I'd been, but not played. Okay, so first time. What was the coolest thing? In Europe, shows or not show related, what was the coolest thing you guys experienced in Europe? The bullfighting arena in Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah. Nice. That was the last show we did with Slash, and it was surreal. It was, it. it was really cool, man. Just the whole building, the and that was one of the towns we actually got to like spend a day into. Like a lot of it was just traveling, travel days, and whatever. So, do you know that that arena was built in 1892? 1892. No numbers. Yeah. More dates. Which is because, say, but it's funny because there's a restaurant in Leapers Fork that just opened up called 1892. Nice. And that's the only reason I remembered that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How how was Slash? Was amazing. He's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's always practicing too, man, and it's inspiring. You know, it, it's like he could definitely just hang that hat up and be like, "I'm Slash." Yeah, but he's always searching. You know, that always impresses me. That's the same thing. I always, whenever I see Metallica, you know, behind the scenes, they've been going for thirty years, and they still just every single before shows, two hours of practice mm-hmm. after shows. Kirk Hammett's working on mm-hmm. new things. Like, it's uh. It's a it's a craft of passion That's for right, sure, man. man. Yep, for sure. Now, um, mentioning all those names, Rolling Stones, Slash. Has there been anybody that you guys were like nervous to either play in front of or or meet that you were just like, oh, I mean, did that happen with the Stones or with with Slash or actually for me, it's, um, Slash was probably the the one that was i guess just uh, iconic uh yeah figure just just hell silhouette <laughs> like <laughs> that's true like um so he was um in the green room next to us i believe we were in switzerland what town in switzerland anyway um zurich yeah yeah and uh so you get all these you get these emails you know from management stuff it's like it's kind of an overkill, um, you know, just to, I guess, in case they'd get some jack <laughs> band, you know, <laughs> that is just kind of overkill, like the don't do the this. rules don't do and all yeah. this. Don't yeah. make direct eye contact. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> anyone from the band. And, um, I get those sometimes with the guest on the show. Here's here's your lines of things you can so do. I'll, here's what you can. I'm gonna go back to the bus from the um, from from the green room and. Uh, there's the door open next to ours, and I'm kind of walking by, and I see just 
I see Slash in there, and I just kind of half wave as I'm walking by, and he kind of says like, "Oh, hey, man," something like that, you know. And then I'm like, "Well, I, I can't just like not <laughs> say anything." I'm sorry, I can't I, break then management I'll like, rules. Then I'll seem like a. <laughs> so I'm kind of like go back and I quick keep my head around, hey. And uh, it's like, it's like, come in, you know, and uh, he's sitting there like with a backwards cap, you know, just t-shirt and jeans and he's changing the strings on his guitar. And I remember thinking that was pretty cool that he's changing his own strings, yeah. you know, at this point. <laughs> so it's kind of... Um, Doesn't trust and, anybody uh, else to that's do it. Right. Yeah, you know, because I mean, he could have, I know he has text. And oh, yeah. So that's, and I hate to change freaking strings, so <laughs> props. And... Um, <laughs> So he, uh, I said, thanks for having us on, and he's like, um, yeah, we love the record, and want to, um, and we wanted to have you guys out. So nice. Anyway, so I go back. I didn't even go to the bus or wherever I was going. I you went forgot. Back into my, like, oh, awesome! Into the green room next door, and um, and I was telling whoever was in there, I was like about it. I was like, holy, shit, you know, and I kind of like was it realized, well, I'm a little starstruck <laughs> out of all, yeah and, and met and played and met around a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of huge people yeah so and then um i could hear like the plinking of just an unplugged in guitar mm -hmm. just like i guess just breaking in the strings and i'm like yeah that's slash <laughs> breaking in his strings over there Your booby clash. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so we so we go play the show and then we um and then i'm coming back up to um our green room where we're Basically, and then Slash is standing outside of that same room in the full getup. Mm -hmm. They had all the leather Tough, and, every, yeah. and everything, and uh, and we sit and kind of for a minute about um, or stand about uh, how the the venue that we were in some is most of the time it's a church, mm. like it's a big uh, like mega church. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember that conversation, and then yeah, and just the, he's in the glasses and leather and the full getup then, <laughs> so it's like a hard. <laughs> It's like a cartoon character, but uh, well, props on point, branding. Props on branding I was about because to say, it never, you never, that never. I mean, unless he just gets out of like, like unless he just got super fat or, or whatever. Which is impressive too. He then stayed, I, mean, I mean, then it would. I mean, then it's kind of just like you can't really uh, that silhouette. I mean, it's 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 like the Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, the, the flying Jordan man, yeah. uh, silhouette. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just you can't. As long as his glasses, hat, and hair. I mean, he could be 90. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> He's kept it going, man. He, he is definitely one of my favorite guitars, so for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you would be starstruck if you met Bob Seger. Yeah. If you met Bob, that would be, yeah. be intense. Yeah. He's, uh, I have, we have some mutual friends, and, and, uh, and yet he's uh, he's heard me. Um, he's been showed like a live video before of uh, me singing "Turn the Page." Nice. <laughs> so I don't mean I don't know what the or if he gave it, but yeah, it's still I, th I thought that was pretty cool. That's so. got. I was about to say that's <laughs> got to be pretty awesome. That's got to be pretty awesome. That's usually my go-to when I do karaoke. I try to go Bob. <laughs> I try to go Bob. It's easier. <laughs> the vocal range is easier. I don't hit it, obviously. But at least I know I can stay somewhere around where I'm supposed right, to stay. Right, right. You can be kind of maybe smoke too many cigarettes, a little, <laughs> little horse, maybe exactly. you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On the low parts until the until the <laughs> until when he really push hits the gas. You know? <laughs> now 2020 just starting. 
Uh, you guys talked a little bit about the uh, the new album. When is that supposed to come out? Spring. Nice. We do we have any more? Just spring. <laughs> Wait, what? Hey, okay. There's okay. Kind of cough there, huh? Nice. <laughs> nice. Now, do we have any name for it, or is it still unnamed? Um, I guess we can talk. Yeah, let's we talk, have a let's working title it. anyway. It might change, but as of now, is this a Doc G exclusive yeah. right it's now? It's not going to change. This, this is exclusive. No, man, so exciting. Gypsy Cadillac. Gypsy Cadillac. Nice it's a song. Song title. I think we're going to go with it for the album title too. Very nice. I like it. Now, how many how many songs on the new album? Eleven. Sounds right. I think eleven. Very nice, very nice. Is it in the similar vein as far as sort it's of a little darker? Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's yeah, more th- more like uh, cinematic, stationary, you know. And this one's like the, it's, it's it has a movement kind of theme, you know, because it goes with the last couple of years. And the song, I written this song called uh, Gypsy Cadillac back in uh, 2016, about two months before we um, moved up to the farmhouse mm-hmm. and there was a um there was a there was a car in this um junkyard that's kind of close to uh the farmhouse it was owned by a friend and um the car actually ran but it was just it was kind of a heap this old like six, 72 fleet 71 fleetwood mm-hmm. and uh, big old boat yeah yeah and i was go- and i was thinking about you know just like a little project while you know um, while I was up there while while we were moving up there to write and everything mm-hmm. just like a little project and maybe have a little beater to ride around him and sitting up writing this song kind of thinking that um, kind of using the car as a template so to speak and so and I put it in a, like a metaphorical way you know like of a, a kid going into a junkyard and um, pretending to, like, just, you know, when you're a kid, you maybe a car in your grandpa's yard or, like, your dad's, whatever, that doesn't run, and you kind of just play around and pretend Turn to drive, it into and, your you know what I mean? And, and, yeah, yeah, just make it, uh, just kind of use your imagination. So, as, like, a, so, like, I th- thought, like, a kid, like, basically, all right, wanting to be a musician and wanting to, like, out of uh, Natchez, Mississippi, um, with no outlet, there's not a, it's not, you know, didn't have a, wasn't really a portal out of there, yeah. you know, <laughs> to, uh, to do any, to, to, to try to be, you know, like we're going to make it one day, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, as long as we just play these bars and this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then one day we'll make it. So it's kind of the metaphor of a kid going into a junkyard and pretending that this car could run. His, so, his ticket his out there, his Cadillac. Cadillac. Yeah. So, nice. Tilly nice. basically, uh. Was too dumb to know he couldn't do it for long enough until <laughs> the thing started moving, and he's like, "Oh sh." <laughs> so, yeah, and it's so it's 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 a bit of a metaphor song. Nice Cadillacs are center of a lot of songs, man. Good cars. That's the poor man's dream. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, now I noticed 2019, a couple folks cut their hair in the band. Oh! You know, is is, is uh, Drew? Is that is? Not Burn is that going to happen in 2020 for you guys or Burn's got a few years. This is I remember my first long hair burn. <laughs> so he'll probably keep it a while. It's the third time I've cut my hair since I was 12. Yeah. What what caused the change? Hmm. Uh, it basically 
I was, I had long hair when I was 12, 13, 14, all the way up, and where it was like kind of a sign to my teachers and parents that I was gonna rebellion. Yeah, exactly. So, and here we are now. So I kind of inverted the statement. It seemed a little cliche and expected of me after 20 years. <laughs> so gotta uh, be a contrarian. So, so you know what I mean. So yeah. then I felt like I was pretending to be myself. <laughs> What caused the haircut for you, Ben? Man, I just was tired of dealing with it. I've been wanting to grow it out since I got out of the Marine Corps. And I would start to get long, and then I'd have to get a job or something. I'd need to do it, so I'd have to cut it short. And I finally had a chance to do it um, when I was um, once I got out of school. And uh, so I just decided to grow it long. But it was it's so thick, man. It's just like this you thick, do. You nappy got, hair. You wanted to cut it a couple of years ago. I put it back and, and, and I I'd, I'd put it, it up, you know, and I'd sleep or whatever, and I'd get up in the morning and first thing in the morning, like I'm grouchy as f, you know, <laughs> just naturally. And yeah. I'd take this wad of rat nest out of the back <laughs> and I'm just like I can't even get to the coffee maker. Like I have to brush this crap out of my hair like before I can do anything. Lion. So I'm just like yanking <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> Coffee. See, that's good. My, my hair doesn't have that problem. I can I can wake up. I think I got more Drew hair. I don't have to worry <laughs> yeah, about it. Real fine too. I can just Man, brush it out. It would be ridiculous. But anyway, I just finally. It was July, and I'd had enough. And I, yeah. <laughs> some gnats in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, squirrels nested up in that thing. We got. Do you have any big uh, other plans? Uh, that go along Hell with yeah. that with that uh, album in 2020. What else is on the uh, on the docket that you I can think tell? Tyler's going to do some work. I don't know. Yeah, we'll do some more videos and just tour. Very nice, very nice. Have you got any uh, festivals coming up for 2020? Peach no. Fest. Yeah, Peach Fest is confirmed, oh. and there's a few other that are. I'm not really sure, but our you know booking agents and management are working very hard on that right now. Very so. nice. Very nice. We're looking forward to getting all the routing exciting sheets. announcements coming out. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah. First we'll know more, you know, first of the year. Awesome. Once everything starts getting finalized and pinning it. Well, I can't wait for We're in the hearsay like. stage right now with booking and all that. They're going, hey, we're getting offers from this and this and this. But So hopefully stuff like that comes through. We'll be able to put it out there pretty, pretty soon. Very nice. Very nice. Well, guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and talk with us. I really thank appreciate you, man. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having us. Been man. fantastic. Listeners, you can check out Natchez on any streaming service or buy the album on their website. I did, but it hasn't came in yet. I, At February. Which which They're side do you schedule. want it to go on, guys? The oh, right. Yeah, yeah, the right. There's an empty spot right yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. There's okay. Oh, they'll uh, see why you asked that question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We well, have to order the <laughs> next album when it comes out. And then Don't worry. On each we'll, end. Yeah, we'll bookend it. We'll have both yeah, of them on go. each side. <laughs> I like it. But if you want to, listeners, it's www.bishopgun.com. And follow them on social media at Bishop Gun Music. Right now, let's take a listen to All the Ways by Bishop Gun right gang, here gang. on the Doc G Show. Thanks, Doc.
the doc a g show back from that interview with the fantastic bishop gun say what man travis drew burn and ben all here in the studio fantastic dave that's right i'm gonna go out on a limb i know you're a busy guy you got a lot of things to do but we need to find out as soon as they put it down when they're doing the crawfish festival and we need to go we need to hit it up and not only when we go to the crawfish festival will we go to the crawfish festival but we will also go to rue 61 um yeah while we're listening while they were listening to their tunes just now i looked up the menu and i gotta say i got a little bit hungry oh yeah i want to get that delta queen delta queen redfish pasta a uh, white sauce, shrimp. Oh my god! That's right. Oh my god! So delicious. But also, can you believe? Uh, Doc G exclusive. We were the first to find out. First to find out. Gypsy Cadillac. News. April. That's right. We found out on this show. Very exciting. I can't wait for it. Uh, it's a spring miracle. A spring miracle known as. Gypsy Cadillac. Can't wait. Thanks to the guys again Man. for coming out to the show. Been fantastic. Can't wait to have them on again. Can't wait to go to the Thank Crawfish Festival. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. 
Okay, Dave, we got to finish it up. Got to finish it up with the last birthday suit. Hmm. Yeah, we do. Uh, this one, I'll go ahead and let you know. We've talked about before on the show. Word. And his Today. job should cue you off. Nope. His job should let you in on what he's doing. Okay, here we go. Okay. Born on January 1st, 1735. Jeez. Goodness gracious. Yes. He's not still alive, Dave. Not still alive. Uh, in Massachusetts, at a young age, our birthday suit wear was apprenticed to his father, who was a silversmith. Mm -hmm. In 1756, our birthday suit wearer enlisted in the provincial army to fight mm -hmm. in the French and Indian War. Mm -hmm. He returned to Boston in 1757 and opened mm -hmm. his own silver shop. On mm -hmm. April 18, 1775, he took what would later, later be known as the Midnight Ride. Yes! To warn the colonies that the British were indeed coming. Paul it's, Revere. Paul Revere is correct. Let yes, go. indeed. Paul Revere lived to the, the ripe age of 83. I mean, that's pretty ancient back in those times. 83. I mean, you know, most people in the American colonies were living to like 30 at that time. Yeah. So, dude. you know. Almost 83 is crazy. Uh, he's, of course, he's got all kinds of statues around the country. Popular culture references depicting the ride. We've talked about him actually twice on the show, Dave. I was thinking about it. We talked about the ride because I found out that there were all kinds of riders that actually made way more dangerous and longer rides than, uh, than uh, Paul Revere. Um, but you know, why was his so? Why did his get the fame? I, yeah, I think it was because it was in Boston. You know, we need a HTH for that. Okay, we're going. We're going into it. It's noted, Dave. Thank you. Your wish Thank is you. my command. Don't you worry. Uh, but regardless, regardless, eighty-three, born on January first. R.I.P. Happy birthday, hero. Paul Revere, riding to to warn the colonies. And if you remember, we also, the other thing that we had a story on was um, was his silversmith duties, if you recall. Mm. He uh, he could craft the out of some silver. That was yeah, him. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and they, they were up for sale a little while ago. You could have got yourself some handmade, some handmade Paul Revere silver, which is Dang. quite a talking piece at your next party. You I see that? Out. Paul yeah. Revere classic. Get it in your head. Anyways, happy birthday, Paul Revere. Yes! Happy birthday. Dave, it's been a fantastic opening show. I am a resolutioner on the Doc G show right now. I am positive and happy about the show right now. That's what's happening. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. We've got great shows coming up. My goodness, the, the, the guest... The guests, there are so many out there that I want to tell you about that are looming in the far-off future that I'm very excited about that we're going to have on 2020. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. We're going to have we're going to have live performances. We're going to have a lot of great comedians on the show, some sports guests, all kinds of stuff, man. All kinds of stuff. 
I like it. I like it. That's right. But nonetheless, it's the end of the show for this show. So I got to wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Good luck on those New Year's resolutions, everyone. You've done one day. What yes. What you do for the next 364? My God. Dave is so inspirational. So true. Oh, my God. One day want- at a time. Uh one foot I'm in front go of the eat other. Pizza. Life is the game of <laughs> inches, people. Game of inches. Word. I stole that. Inches. From, I, I stole that from any given Sunday, but you know, whatever. It's fine. It, it goes for it. life too. It's a metaphor for life. I have derailed. So true. Goodbye, listeners. Until next week. Zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.